Hi, City Church. It's Natalie Boyd. I'm married to Dewey Boyd, and we have one son named Zeke who is about to be six years old. We've been a part of the City Church community for 11 years now, and we are so thankful for all of you guys. Please stand for the word of the Lord. This is Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of his people. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, City Church, this is William Sofield, and Pastor Mitchell Carter asked me to talk with you today. I live in Bowling Green, which is about an hour north of you in Kentucky. I'm a teaching elder in our in the PCA, our denomination, and in our presbytery. And I don't really work at a church. I am a hospice chaplain. And so my job is to visit people who are dying and their families. I go to wherever they live, to their homes, the nursing homes, in hospitals, wherever they are. And I pray with them, and I read the Bible to them, I sing to them. And I help them to make peace with God and with their family and with themselves as they die. Well, Pastor Mitchell asked me to talk with you about death. Uh, Death certainly is a part of the normal Christian life. And I understand that most of you are young. And so it's likely that you haven't thought a whole lot about your own death. But today I want you to think about it. And I know it may not be a pleasant thing. You know, of course, in your mind and in reality that you're going to die someday. But today I want you to feel it deep in your heart, as difficult as that might be so that you won't be so afraid of it, and that you will be able to get ready for it. Listen, you know that your time on this earth is limited, don't you? If you're married, and you stay married, and I hope you do, you know that one of you is going to bury the other. You probably said that in your vows, till death do us part, and you probably did not think at all about what it actually means. I know I didn't when I said it many years ago. Well, today we're looking at Psalm 116, and I really want to focus in on verse 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Maybe your ideas about death and the dying process come mostly from the movies or TV, but that's not true for me. 
I've held the hands of thousands of people who are dying. I've probably watched a hundred times or more as someone took their last breath and passed from this life into eternity. And I want to tell you a few stories uh, from my experience. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Last summer, uh, 2019, I had a patient with bladder cancer who um, spread throughout her body. She was about 70 years old or so. She had been a Sunday school teacher for most of her adult life. She loved the Bible so much. She had married her high school sweetheart, and he was taking really good care of her. Uh, but, but he was in the beginning stages of dementia, and his mind was slowing down. Hers was as sharp as ever, even though she had so much cancer. But I tell you what, those two people loved each other um, so much. When I met them, uh, they had not been able to go to church for about a year because of her health condition. And in that time, their church got a new pastor, and the new pastor, of course, didn't know them, and so he never really visited them, um, and that was difficult for them. And on my first conversation, when I sat down to meet with them in uh, their home, she asked me what part of the Bible I had been reading recently, and I told her, and she said, well, would you read it to me now and tell me what God has been teaching you? So I did that, and she really encouraged me. I I was supposed to be there to minister to her, and she encouraged me. Well, over the next few months, I saw her pain increase, and our nurses and our doctors increased her pain medication to make her comfortable. And every time I would go, I would read the Bible to her and sing with her and to pray with her, and, I, and she would pray for me too, always. And over the months, her prayers got shorter and shorter as she grew weaker and weaker. And I remember her nurse one day told me, she's getting really close and she wants to see you. So I visited her that afternoon, and when I did, her two daughters had come from out of town to be there. Her husband was there, and she was lying in bed. She had uh, some trouble breathing. She was so weak and skinny and frail. She was like a different person than the person I met several months earlier. Well, I held her hand, and she squeezed it as I recited Psalm 23. And she locked eyes with me. And I finished up, of course, the end of Psalm 23 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And she looked right at me in her eyes, and she said, Forever. I'm ready, Jesus. And she smiled at me, and she closed her eyes, exhausted, and she never opened them again. She died about an hour later. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Two years ago, I met a woman who had been bedbound for about six or eight months uh, before I met her. So she was in bed, and uh, she was confused most of the time. She was barely talking. Usually she could answer yes or no questions, but that was about it. Our nurse made sure that she was comfortable most of the time. She was not in pain. And I talked with her son, um, and from him I found out that she had raised seven kids and a whole bunch of her grandkids also she raised. And she did this all while working on the farm, milking cows, driving tractors, repairing fences, and a thousand other jobs that have to be done on the farm. And not only that, she had a lifelong habit of reading the Bible every day. And when she was raising kids, her kids or grandkids, she would always read the Bible to them every day. Um, 
Since they had grown up and she wasn't raising kids anymore, she continued and she read the Bible on her own until she wasn't able to do that anymore. When she started needing regular caregiving, her three of her kids um, took turns and uh, they were caring for her in shifts and they began reading the Bible aloud to her because she couldn't do it on her own. And her son said that what they did is that they just decided to start in the Gospel of Matthew and read straight through all four Gospels and then start back over in Matthew again. And they had done that apparently several times. And I was sitting there um, with him and with her in the room there. She was lying comfortably. And I saw that she had her large print Bible, which was well-worn, and it was on the bedside table. So um, I picked it up, and I saw where they had left off reading from the last night. It had been marked there. And, and I wanted to read to her uh, the Bible. Uh, and so I scooted my chair up right next to her, where she was lying on her back in bed. Her eyes were closed as normal. And I started reading right where they had left off from the night before, which was in Matthew chapter 11. And so as I started reading, Jesus was cursing some cities and condemning them as worse than Sodom and announcing judgment upon them. Well, that's not a passage I would have picked as a hospice chaplain, uh, but that was where they were. And so um, I didn't want to stop there. So I just kept reading. And the very next paragraph says this, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And as I read those words from Jesus, she slowly raised her hands up into the air, straight up, with her fingers splayed, and she clapped her hands many times with a smile on her face, And then she opened her eyes and tears rolled down her cheeks. And she was staring at the ceiling as if she saw something that we didn't see. And she moaned loudly with a big smile on her face. It wasn't a pretty sound, but it may have been the most joyful noise I've ever heard. And she died a few days later. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Uh, Many years ago now, I um, led a daily evening prayer service, Monday through Friday, evening prayer service, using the Book of Common Prayer. And I did that on a locked hall of a nursing home where all the residents had some sort of dementia. And every evening, the staff would arrange their chairs uh, in a big circle in the living room area uh, that they had. And I would sit in a circle with them uh, for about 20 minutes and go through the prayer service with them. And I remember one woman would always sit right next to me on my right every evening. And every evening... From the time I saw her to the time I left, she would be muttering under her breath nonstop. Not yelling exactly, but it was certainly loud enough for everyone to hear what she was saying. And what she was saying, muttering, was all kinds of profanities. She would scold non-existent people, tell them to get off her lawn and stop throwing eggs, you son of a... That's that's what it was. And she would mutter like that under her breath uh, for the entire prayer time, every single time. Until we got to the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And when we got to that, she would say it with us word for word. She was right with us. And then she would go right back to her muttering. Until we got to the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And she would be word for word right with us. And then she would go back to her muttering. And the staff said that her prayer time, that this prayer time, was her favorite time of the day, always. 
Her mind was broken by some disease, but she still loved Jesus. And this is the only way that she could feel normal and express her love for him. I left that job before she died, uh, but she was dying a slow death. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Right now I have a patient currently um, who was a pastor for most of his adult life. He had a stroke a few years back that makes it incredibly hard for him to speak. Uh, It takes him about 20 or 30 seconds to come up with a single word out of his mouth. But he understands everything in every conversation. He's just as sharp as he was before, but he's just unable to speak to get any words out of his mouth. He can shake his head yes or no easily, um, but it's almost impossible to have a conversation with him, and it's very frustrating for him as well. And so um, the way, the best way to communicate with folks like this, I have found, is to try and guess what they want to say, and then he can confirm or deny. And so using this method, he told me that he is absolutely ready to die to see Jesus, to sing his praises once again. And yet he is willing to learn patience and to wait for the Lord's timing to serve him until the Lord takes his life. And when I mention the name of Jesus, he smiles so big and his eyes tear up. And I expect that he will die in the next few weeks. I hope he does. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. You know, not all my patients are so joyful. I remember I had a patient in the hospital when I was a hospital chaplain, and he was about 65 or 70 years old, I think. And I walked into the room to meet him for the first time um, serendipitously just as uh, his doctor was leaving the room. And the doctor had uh, just told him that the diagnosis was really bad. In fact, so bad that he would never leave the hospital and would likely die in about two to four weeks. And so I sat down and I talked with him and he began to cry. And he told me that he was a collector of antique rifles. He loved to shoot these old, old rifles and he would enter competitions to see uh, you know, accuracy and hit the bullseye with these old, old rifles. And he, had, he told me he had just bought a Civil War era rifle for $20,000. And this diagnosis meant that he would never get to shoot it. And he told me that he didn't want to die. All he wanted to do was to shoot his new rifle. And if he could not do that, then life was not worth living. I had a number of other conversations with him later on, but he died Uh, in about a month, just as the doctor said. He was a bitter, angry man who died alone. He had alienated all of his friends and his family, as best as I could tell. Really, as best as I could tell, his life was completely wrapped up in his antique rifle collection. And I've got way too many stories like this. I remember this past winter, I watched two brothers fistfighting at the bedside of their dying mother, each of them claiming the right to inherit her house. I had to call the police on that one. I've seen too many suicides, too many drug overdoses, too many people in denial about their own deaths. And, you know, all these dramatic scenes, they never start dramatic. They start as small issues unaddressed. Listen, nobody intends to punch their brother in the neck as their mom lays taking her last breath on the bed. That, That happens after weeks and months and years and decades of unaddressed resentments harsh words, arrogant attitudes, selfish motives. And let's not look down our noses at those two brothers, because except for God's grace, I could be there, and so could you. 
I have my precious rifle collection, only it's something else. It's not rifles. And you have one too, I know. Death brings out the best and the worst in people. It amplifies who you have become. So let me ask you this. Who are you becoming? How will you die? How do you want to die? You can't change the fact that you will die, but you can be prepared or not prepared for it. Listen, every breath you take is a gift from God, and He does not owe it to you. Every time your heart beats, it is because his, He has directed it to beat. And one day your heart will stop and your lungs will relax and you will die. And if you don't prepare for that, then you will not be prepared for it. And this psalmist in Psalm 116 is preparing for his own death, and he's reflecting on it in this poem. See, We see in the beginning of the poem that he almost died. And God rescued him. And so in the light of that circumstance, he reexamines his own life in light of his eventual death. How does he do that? What does he think? What does he feel? What does he do so that life is worth living, so that he's prepared to die a good death? Let's take a look a little bit at it. Look at verse 6. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Simplicity. Simplicity is a great value. What it means is to live humbly. As they say, you can't take it with you when you go. Or another way to say it is, uh, you've never seen a hearse towing a U-Haul. See, this life that we're living right now is like a game of Monopoly. We advance around the board uh, slowly with some level of skill and luck, and we go around again and we collect $200 and we keep going to the end of the game. You play Monopoly. This afternoon, imagine if this afternoon you were to play a game with your family or your friends, and imagine that you might dominate all the other players. And if you do that with arrogance and petty greed in in, uh, Monopoly and you just dominate over them, it could feel a lot of fun. But when the game is over and everybody puts the money back in the box, it's likely if you do that, you're going to be sleeping on the couch tonight. And if you play a game like that, you lose even if you win. Because at the end of every game, all the money goes back in the box. Real life is so much bigger than Monopoly and Monopoly money. This is what I mean, friends. Your bank account, your 401k, your house, your car, it's all Monopoly money. And we need to use it to build relationships, to build the kingdom of God, not to win the game. If you use your money to build God's kingdom, ah, Simplicity, then you'll have a good death and you won't be sad when all the money goes back in the box. Look at verse 9. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Or verse 17. I will offer you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. Uh, I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. See, the psalmist here is comfortable with his own death because he's thankful to the Lord. He has pursued his vows. What vows? Well, if you're married, your marriage vows. If you're a member of the church, your membership vows. But really, any if, you're, if you acknowledge Jesus as Lord, if you are a Christian, then this is talking about you. You are pursuing that. I don't really want to give you too much advice here about how to live your life in light of your death, because I'm sure you know better than you live. I do. And for all the deaths I've witnessed, I've never, ever heard, I wish I spent more time at the office. I I wish I had made more money. I don't hear that. I wish my house, I I wish I kept my house cleaner. 
Nope, no one's ever said that to me. I, you know, I wish that I had dressed more fashionably. Not a single person's ever told me that. But almost every day, I hear some sad version of, I wish I'd paid more attention to my husband, to my wife, to my kids, my parents, my friends. I wish I'd been more devoted to the church, like my parents taught me. I wish I had pursued my relationship with God. I hear that almost every day. Listen, live your life in light of your death. You need some, uh, need an outline for your application? Uh, let me suggest three sets of questions. First, what do you want to be remembered for? What kind of person do you want to be? That's the first question. Second question, what kind of person are you now? And where is it that you need to change? Third question. So what, okay, where you evaluate where you are, evaluate where you want to be. So the third question then is, what's your plan to go from where you are to where you want to be? What I'm talking about, of course, is uh, often called spiritual formation or spiritual disciplines and practices where we strive for holiness by grace. If that's a, 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 a new topic for you, I suggest talking with Pastor Mitchell or any of the elders. Um, this psalm is a great example of how to contemplate your own death in a way that changes the way you live. Of course, the only reason that we have hope that our death is merely the end of a monopoly game and that after that we go on with our lives is because Jesus, the God-man, himself died. And that he went beyond death to resurrection and he promised to bring us with him through that dark curtain when we die. He didn't have to die, he chose to. And his death forged a way through death to life on the other side, everlasting life. And he did what we cannot do on our own, and he gives it to us. This is why his death is so important to us, why it is so precious to us. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. I pray that my death will be precious to the Lord. And if it is, it will only be because of the death of the Lord Jesus that is precious to him, and I am in Christ. This is what I live for, to highlight to the world the horrible beauty of the cross of Jesus and the hope of his resurrection for the whole world. Too many of us, I think, hate to talk about our own deaths because we're afraid that they might be meaningless. And honestly, without Jesus, they are meaningless. But with him, everything matters. You matter. Your love matters. Work matters. Life matters. Death matters. All because of his death and his resurrection. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Let me tell you one more story. I remember um, some time ago now, I met a man who had been an active deacon in his small Baptist church for more than 50 years. Same church. And when I met him, he was lying in his bed, in his bedroom. His body was filled with cancer and his heart was failing. He never finished the eighth grade because his family needed him to work on the farm. And as an adult, he spent most of his life working on a farm and then later in a factory. And his dear wife was with him, and she would change his diapers and sing to him old gospel songs. And I visited with him several times, and uh, he loved to hear me pray for him and for his family. And I remember he told me, I'm ready to see Jesus, but I don't want to leave my family and my church friends. And he was really anxious about that. So I helped him to remember the people that he loved who had already died. 
and to remember that he would see them again after his death. So death is going from one part of the family to another. And um, so he told me about his church friends. He told me about his parents and how much he missed them. He told me about his old pastor whom he loved so much. Um, I say his old pastor. um, He had had a a pretty amazing relationship with with, with a former pastor of his who had died, um, the pastor and his wife. Uh, So amazing that these two families, the pastor and the deacon, uh, these two families would often go on vacations together, yearly vacations for decades. These two families were inseparable. And it was like they were one big family. And so uh, he was telling me about this and how much he missed his pastor friend and uh, uh, the pastor's wife. And and my patient's wife, the deacon's wife, uh, was sitting there as well. And she said, as she started thinking about this and remembering that uh, all this, she said to her husband, yeah, I'm kind of jealous because you're going to see our friends before I do. And she really, I could tell she really was jealous. And so I said to his wife, I said, is there a message that you would like to send to them? If so, listen, your husband is probably going to see them before long. Tell him and he can pass on the message. She never thought about that before. So she started crying and she gave him a message that was incredibly personal and beautiful. Well, um, sometime later, I was visiting again, and I asked him about his grandchildren. And what he told me is that uh, he said, I've got a lot of grandchildren, and he was telling me all about them. And and at one point, he said, I taught all my grandkids to fish. Well, except for my youngest one. He's five years old. And I, he was too young when I got sick, and I haven't, I've never taught him to fish. And I I really miss that. I wish I could have gotten to do that. Well, later I got together with my team and we got him a special wheelchair and we gave him some specific medication and a safety harness and a special vehicle. And we got him out on a dock to go fishing one last time with that little five-year-old on his lap. And that old man taught his little grandson to put um, a worm on a hook and to cast the pole. He taught him the whole thing. And a family was all there. They were taking pictures. And actually, the whole thing didn't last very long because he got tired very, very fast. Um, They took him home, and he slept for almost three days. And shortly after that, that week, his little church decided to have their worship service at his house on Sunday. And he laid in his bed as the worship service was going on around him, and he did his best to sing the hymns. he, He listened to the Bible reading and to the prayers, and he was surrounded by younger Christians, brothers and sisters, who would carry on the faith that he worked so hard to preserve. And they asked him, and he did, he pronounced the benediction at the end of the worship service like he always did when he was younger. And he blessed that small congregation with the peace of Christ. And the very next day, he died. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Our dear Lord Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are listening to this recording. Would you stir their hearts to love you more, strengthen their hands to live and to die for you. We love you. Thank you for loving us. Amen.